Hey everyone, welcome back to Mental Health Uncorked. I'm Ashley T and I'm here with my gorgeous friend, Dr. G. Hey, hey. girl. Hey Ash. This is a, we got a f- special episode. It is a special episode. We got a fun jam-packed thing to talk about today. I'm sure you're all wondering, waiting on pins and needles, and we have a bright spot in the room with us. Sina, you, know, you want to introduce our guest? Yes. Before I do that, though, me and Ash just want to remind you, we are both licensed mental health clinicians, and just be aware that this podcast not is not meant to replace going to therapy. We are both huge advocates for making sure, more than ever now, that you are taking care of your mental health with a professional. Also, this content is going to be very heavy on themes for parents to help their children. So this content might not be appropriate for kids right now. So you can excuse them from the room. Today, we have the beautiful, the wonderful, I'm so pumped to have her. Katie is joining us. She is a clinical social worker up in Michigan. Actually, me, Ashley, and Katie all work together for a while, and we are all good friends now, of course, even though we don't work together anymore, sad face. But we are super excited to have her. Katie is a school social worker. She is a wife, a mama, and just an overall amazing, amazing person. So thanks for joining us today, Katie. I'm so, so excited that you asked me to be on here today. Um, this is my fir- first podcast. So, hey, let's do this together. She's <laughs> a podcast virgin, Ash. I love it. Well, just so you know, Katie, we have no idea what the hell we're doing. So, and I think we have like a hundred listeners, if not less. It's getting so no- feel special. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm one of them. So, hey, there we go. There we go. Look at it. Yeah. A fan turned live on the podcast. Welcome, Katie. It could, you. It could happen to you, listeners. <laughs> oh, man. We're so happy to have you here. Like Gina said, we um, all work together in the school setting, um, not in the same buildings, but we supported each other, which was a lot of fun. Um, and now we've all kind of flown into different areas we all know Gina does not live in Michigan Katie and I live very far apart from each other yes (laughs) right now and are doing two very different things um but we're excited to be here and we're excited that Katie's with us Katie is an expert at uh shaping how we need she's good at she's an expert at shaping how we need to talk to our kids I'm sorry that I'm struggling with this right now. Um, And when I say she's an expert, in light of recent events from yesterday, um, it's not the first time she has maybe mentioned to people social media. Y'all know how much I love to follow social media, how we should be talking to our kids. And she's dead on. She is spot on. She has great insight. Um, I think she looks through her lens as a social worker um, differently than many of us do. And I just really love her. So I'm really happy that you're here. Oh, I love you both back. <laughs> so we know that there has been like some heavy shit that has happened. I mean, we dropped our last episode on Monday and then boom. It's a whole different world for Monday. It feels like in a lot of ways. It does. Yeah. yeah. 2020 hold my beer. 
That's what it feels like right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want to cancel. And <laughs> I tried the seven day trial and it's not for me. Send it back. I keep saying that. Exactly. And here we are like laughing, which was way better than where I was last night. If I'm being honest with you about it. Um, but we had some heavy stuff happen. And when we have things like national crisis, which is what I referred to yesterday as being when, and just so listeners, I mean, you're not listening to us at this moment in time. So uh, we're referring to when protesters um, stormed the Capitol building um, on January 7th, 6th, 6th. Yes, 6th, yeah. Um, 6th, 2021. Um, and I refer to that as a national crisis because we're in the middle of a national crisis right now with that. I, I don't think that, um, I don't think we're moving in the direction that we've wanted to move, at least the generations that I'm viewing right now, myself and, and you lovely ladies, because I'm much older than both of you. Um, <laughs> um, but I don't think that we're moving in the direction that we want to right now. Um, and we have children in, um, we need to know how to talk to them about this. I know that was one of the first things that I thought of yesterday was what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. How yeah. am I going to talk to my kids about it? And thank God for me that they're five and two and that they're in school virtually. Right. Like that was a blessing. Yeah. There's not been a lot of silver lining to COVID time, but I think in situations like this, like not having to deal with the influence and the conversation your kids are going to be hearing at school is, is helpful in being able to control what they're hearing in the narrative around these things. Definitely. Yeah, totally agree. And this is kind of an emergency episode, right? (laughs) For lack of a better term, we got this together really quick because we wanted to bring light to the issues that are not political. This is not a political episode. We're not making this political we want to really focus on the mental health aspect of just the reality of what is happening no matter Mm -hmm. what side of uh politics you're on we're we are Mm -hmm. all in the same boat with this matter I feel yeah well and how do you process it how do you help your kids process it um how do you process it on top of a year that is that you haven't even processed yet you know, and I, you girls are nodding at me. The listeners can't see this. Um, this is what, this is one of those times that I wish people could see our faces, um, and our body language, because it's so important to truly understand where we're coming from with this. Cause it truly isn't political. Um, it, it's hard to view, to watch on social media. And I've been very clear about my thoughts on social media on this podcast, uh, about how much I use social media, how it influences my decisions, my purchases, um, a lot of my life, according to my phone, um, and how we tend to, um, Katie, you talked about this earlier, where you can't get off of it. Yeah. When we were chatting earlier, what were you, you were describing it when you can't away from it and you're constantly looking at it. So yeah, what I was talking about before we jumped on here was, and that this was me yesterday and all today in between um, sessions with kids, which is my job now that we're remote, um, recognizing, oh, this behavior that I'm having right now is hypervigilance, which is a trauma yes. because I was 
clicking from news channel to news channel to news channel wanting to get more footage. I was going on Twitter accounts that I never would have gone on before. I was scrolling through my Facebook. It was just like rapid fire and recognizing that like I'm just trying to soak in as much information as I can so that nothing is unexpected and I'm not missing anything because we're in the midst of a crisis and that's hypervigilism definitely you're spot on so I my um I stream everything right yeah. um, we're in the world of streaming I don't follow the new source that's in my hulu hashtag hulu um, I don't follow the new source that's in there. So I have the app on my phone and the app on my phone was not working yesterday. So I was in a meeting. I had heard what had happened while I am a social media junkie. My husband's not on social media at all. Never has been. Um, it's why our marriage works. I think <laughs> we balance each other out. <laughs> and he came flying out of our office and he said, oh my God, they're storming the Capitol building. And I said, what do you mean? I was in the middle of a Zoom. Um, and so I was going to my new source app and it wasn't working. It just like the circle kept going, like it was loading. The news was down. The panic that I felt when I couldn't get, I mean, whether it's accurate or inaccurate, I don't know. That's not for me to judge. Um, but information in general. So what do I do? I go right to my Facebook page. Because on Facebook, I follow that news source. And wouldn't you know that news source had um, the stories streaming on social media. So as I'm scrolling through looking for the news source, I'm seeing picture after picture after picture after picture. And I'm, I don't know where they come from, what's happening, what's true, what's not. Um, and it leaves you in a, in a bit of panic. And there is got to be a scientific reason for this. I'm sure Dr. G is going to walk us through it, but um, it was a, it was a weird moment to sit there in a meeting, by the way, <laughs> in a zoom meeting. I'm telling you, I don't boss, Ashley. Uh -huh. boss. No, I think yeah. you both bring up super great points about putting a, a name on it, right? It is hypervigilance, but Ashley, in that situation, you were hearing something that was causing the stress response to happen in live time. And part of our stress response is, I mean, literally, we have biological things that happen in our stress response. Our pupils dilate, our blood goes and constricts and goes to our vital organs inside. So, or inside our body, closer to our, our heart and our, you know, lungs, things like that. That was literally happening to you. That's that feeling of hypervigilance because you could not get the information that you felt you needed in that moment to feel safe. Your body perceived that as a safety threat. And that's exactly what hypervigilance is. I think so I, I could go, go I ahead, I Katie. Hypervigilism at one point. That's two points off me for being a podcast virgin. There's... <laughs> <laughs> we knew what you meant. We knew what you meant. That's fine. Thank you. <laughs> I could go down this rabbit hole of social media, the social dilemma and the responsibility around all of that. I will not do that tonight. So I don't kill Gina and we get to our agenda, but <laughs> there's something to be said um, in the small conspiracy portion of my brain. Very small because I'm not a conspiracy. Um, 
but I just find it very ironic that my news app was not working. Perhaps it's because so many people were going to it. I have no idea. I'm not a tech nerd and I use nerd lovingly because I'm married to one. He could tell me all about it. Perhaps it could be all things. Although I will say just to kind of put the social media aspect on it. One thing that I love about Katie is that she is such a strong advocate that she uses things like Facebook to advocate for these situations and to bring Mm -hmm. the light back on how this is affecting our mental health, bring it back into perspective. And Katie, I would really love, um, if you're open to it, sharing kind of what you shared on Facebook yesterday, your post, this girl, she's going viral. She had a million shares on it, which I totally (gasps) agree with. People have questions and concerns and they're not getting the answers that they need. And Katie, just share with us a little bit about what you're what you were talking about. Wait, did it really go viral? <laughs> no, I haven't checked in a while. I think, I don't remember how many shares there were. Like everybody from my high school shared it who's a parent, that counts, right? Um, no, I'll check in in a few. I have no idea. Um, Same girl. <laughs> Katie, it was viral in my heart. It was, it's so viral in my heart and I am sharing it with everybody that I know. So it's it, viral. It should be, no. Um, So basically I'm sitting there in the midst of all this chaos and like I always do, my mind goes to work and I'm like, oh no, tomorrow when I get to school or, um, you know, check my email, I'm going to be flooded with questions from parents about what do I say to my kids about this or how do I manage my kids when I'm super stressed out myself, things like that, because I'm in a school that's um, kindergarten to second grade. So it's parents of very little kids. And they never know what to say to their kids in these situations, if they're going to say too much, if they're going to say too little, all of that. So that kind of inspires me when things like this happen to um, stay ahead of it and give a little bit of guidance so they're not feeling so lost. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically what I said was that you first need to um, check yourself, like don't go into what can potentially be a stressful conversation with your child if you are dysregulated um and maybe Gina you could talk about like a few ways that you can tell if you're like ready to talk to your child or if you're not or ways to get yourself calm um to have those meaningful conversations um so yeah first step put on your own oxygen mask you know that old saying that we float around before you put on your kids um and then the second thing was sort of splitting it up into what to do with younger kids and what to do with older kids Um, younger kids are more of my forte. I've always worked in elementary schools and my oldest child that I personally raise is eight. So I'm not yet to the teen years. Like I'm further away from me being a teenager to her being one, but still that's like my experience is me (laughs) being a teenager. So I speak more to the younger crowd. Um, but I think with little kids, what you need to do is you need to sort of ask them what they know before you jump into the deeper conversation it's kind of like the um when kids ask where babies come from and then you might go into like this long tirade and give them way more details than they needed and you're just cringing afterward you just want to ask them okay what do you know about this you tell me what you know so that you have a little bit of information to go off of and you don't go way in a different direction than they're going in their little brain and give them way too much info um And some other advice that I give about little kids is you might think you can have the news on and they don't notice it. 
but kids are sponges. Like they hear way more than you think. I have kindergartners who won't sit still for half a year and come to carpet time in kindergarten who will be able to test and like know everything that the teacher was talking about because they're in the back of the room fidgeting, but they learned everything because they're hearing it. They're paying attention. So um, yeah, those are my big things for little kids at least. Yeah. Which I happen to appreciate a great deal because I have a kindergartner and I've been going through this phase in my deep thoughts during my drives to daycare um deep thoughts as we listen to wagon wheel for the 17th time (laughs) about how (laughs) my two-year-old loves that song um I've been thinking to myself how it's very easy for me to guide parents or like I said earlier tell parents and I use the word tell instead of guide purposefully like during crisis it's important to say what you need to do Like, this is what you need to do. And so typically it's advice or guidance, or we softly say, I'm going to guide you through this process. But right now I need someone to tell me what to do. I need someone to tell me how to talk to my kids. Um, And I, I said in a meeting today, I am so good at guiding parents through tough situations because I have zero emotion attached to it. But then when my little baby comes to me and says, and asks me to make sense of something, Mm -hmm. the emotion comes in and I have a master's degree in communication, (laughs) but for whatever reason, I can't with her because I feel such um, a weight and a privilege and um, an honor to shape her mind into the very best way that it can be through all circumstances. Um, and so when you're left with an entire year, like 2020 or, um, a storming of a government building, um, and you can't make sense of it yourself, it's good to see someone on Facebook, tell me what to do step-by-step, which is why we loved your post so much because it was proactive. Um, it was positive and it, it uh, fosters change in how we communicate with our kids. And one thing I I didn't mention before, but I think educate, I mean, you know this, you worked with educators for a long time and parents, they don't realize, I think a lot of the time that um, small kids don't get the concept of how far away things are. They don't get the concept Mm -hmm. of how long five minutes is, um, which parents who's had to take a tablet away after five minutes knows. So one part of my post that I broke down, because I feel like that's a big part of education parents need, is that you need to explain it in terms that they understand. Like, they don't know where the White House is. They don't know where the Capitol is. They think that could be in their backyard. So, like, explaining it in terms like, you know, grandma's house, how far away that is. Like, ours is like a two-hour drive. That's like this many grandma's houses away. This is nowhere near happening at our house. You know, our life's going to stay the same. We're still going to go to the grocery store on Tuesday. Not that we're doing that right now. Um, you know, you still get to play with your friends on Roblox, which is my kids. You still are going to have school online tomorrow. We're still going to have, you know, dinner at our dinner table every night. Dad's going to come home from work. Mom's going to stay here with you. You know, these things are going to stay the same in your world. And this is really far away for the little, at least. That's perfect. Katie, I love how you just used 
grandma houses away when I was a kid me and my brothers and my cousins we'd always drive to Cedar Point every year um and we would use the show Arthur which was like minutes, <laughs> and we'd always say how many more Arthur shows and it, that is how we got it until we got there like that was our time um yeah. but I do want to circle back because the one of the first things that you said was really essentially as parents or caregivers or anybody really dealing with children check our own temperature first um Mm -hmm. there are neurons in our brain that fire okay they're called mirror neurons mirror like just like you see you know it's exactly what you see in your in your bathroom when you're looking at yourself your reflection um it acts the same when you're looking at people so if your kiddo sees you in a heightened state, you're stressed, you're crying, you're yelling, you're freaking out, you're pacing, they're going to mirror that because that's a natural empathy response to those neurons firing. So I think that's really important to just check yourself first um, as the adult. That doesn't mean you have to be a robot. It doesn't mean you're not allowed to show the emotions, right? If you are feeling those emotions and they're being kind of portrayed, Put a name to that emotion for your kiddo. Help them identify what that is. And if your kiddo is also showing those emotions, help them put a a word to that. You know, Susie, I see that you are feeling really upset about something right now. I see that you are crying and I'm thinking that you're kind of sad about something. Is that correct? You know, am I right about that? Um, Or identify, you know, I'm crying because I am feeling a little bit uneasy about something right now, sweetie. We can talk about it. Identify the feelings for them. Because when you're having a stress response, whether you're a kid, adolescent, adult, the first thing to go is your language. That's why when you ask a kid, what's wrong? 100% of the time, they're really not going to be able to tell you what exactly is wrong. And then you as the adult get frustrated, right? Like, just tell me what's wrong so I can fix it because we're fixers. They don't, they genuinely don't know. And I think if we reflect on as adults, you know, if somebody were to ask us what's wrong, even in this situation, can we put one thing on what's wrong with us right now? So (laughs) that's, you make with um, that language is the first thing to go when we're stressed out because I recommend that you have these conversations, especially with, um, you know, elementary age kids while you are, you know, having some um, like art supplies, crayons, paper, colored pencils in front of you. Kids express themselves through, you know, symbols, art, or like some Play-Doh, something like that. I I get kids to talk way better when they are doing something with Play-Doh or they're coloring a picture. They say a lot more through art than they do through their words. Mm-hmm. Kids, communication for kids is play. Definitely. That's their communication. So just like Katie said, something tactile, something that they can hold and draw and create or um, even their play figures or anything like that. Keep an eye on how your kids are playing with their figurines in in the living room. They may be expressing their feelings through that. Yeah. So many great strategies. I love that you dropped the science on us, Gina. I know in our last podcast, you mentioned calm body, calm mind. Yeah. And Dr. Gentry, my fangirl moment with Dr. Gentry. I love him so much. So relaxed body equals relaxed mind. There you go. 
Yes, I'm so glad that you remembered that. That's good. He's going to be so proud of us for passing that on. <laughs> like, not you specifically. I'm just glad that Dr. Gentry's word is <laughs> getting out into the world. Ashley, you remember everything. That was No, a- I don't actually. No, I don't actually remember anything. I uh, find it funny that I feel like I am in my very first college class every time we sit down to do this because... <laughs> I help people on a daily basis and I sit here and I'm like, what's Gina going to teach me today? <laughs> so for doctorate. Yeah. You guys. Yeah, sure. I will say that it is so important to put these strategies in practice when we're um, communicating with our kids. So it's not an easy thing. Um, my son has frequent meltdowns because he's two and he's got a lot of big feelings. And the first question I ask him every time is what's wrong? every single time I work with kids for a living. I would never do that to a student with my kid. I go, what's the matter? And he goes, I don't know. And then I giggle because I'm like, I don't know either. Let's figure this out. (laughs) But it's always the first thing that I ask. Now my daughter, if it's the first thing I ask her, she'll give me a dissertation around what the problem is, how I should fix it, (laughs) where I went wrong, where she went wrong, where her brother went wrong, um, and every feeling that is associated with each step. <laughs> Ashley's daughter is going to be very high up in the world somewhere. I don't know she where it is be. yet. But she's amazing for a kindergartner. She is so smart. Oh my goodness! But she's well, she's not. She's very in touch with her feelings, <laughs> and she likes to express them a lot. Um, and I love her very much for that. She wants to be an artist or a fireman one day. She told me that this morning, and I think she'll be great at both jobs um, if that's what she chooses to do. I'm down with that. Um, she'll be a badass she, firefighter. Could you see her? Oh my goodness. Yeah, she'd be great. Um, but I have to say, I have not spoken to her about any of this. Um, but I'm going to take you back to uh, quarantine time when our governor was coming on every other day i'm sure katie you remember that um, is it still coming on every other day it feels like it <laughs> yeah i just don't yeah I just don't watch it now because of what happened in quarantine so again wanting that information because we've mm-hmm. never been in quarantine before we've never been locked down and so every time she came on the tv came on my son would be napping most times she comes on around one one or three are usually her hours um, that I can tell the data that I have to support that. Um, and my daughter's up at that time. And it, it occurred to me about three or four weeks in every time she came on, my daughter would have a meltdown. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where I started connecting the two dots. And I told my husband, she can't come on anymore. She can't come on anymore because She's taking this information and she doesn't understand what it's about. She's happy that we're, and she was struggling with the quarantine at that time too. Initially she wasn't, she loved everything about being home. Um, She loved everything about being home. And then she quickly struggled with the concept of being in her home all the time and not seeing people that she loves. So um, we've taken the news completely out of our homes. And I'm wondering how many people, I bring this up because I wonder how many people are doing that now, especially that have young kids and the fact that when I grew up, the news was on at five, it was on at six. And if you were at grandma and grandpa's house, it came on at 10 and then 11. And if you were awake, that's what you're watching. 
if you were in the living room, that's what you were watching. You're watching the news and then whatever show came after that. Now we have that option to like pull it up on our app. If the app's working, we can pull it up on the app or we can find it, you know, on Facebook. So I haven't had the opportunity to talk to her about it because she doesn't know that it's happening. She hasn't heard about it. So then one asks, do you tell them? See that, and that's the way, I think that depends on their age, honestly. And for me, I think when they're little, like to the point of kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third, mine's in third grade, it's if they see it or if they encounter it at this point, especially when there's so many unknowns, like I feel like they're just starting to figure things out about yesterday. We don't really have a whole lot of answers. I couldn't, I couldn't help myself having the news on um, the other day. Yeah. So I know she saw it. Um, and her question was, why are people so mad? That was her big question. Why are, why are they so angry? Why are they doing this? What are they doing this for? So, you know, we had a conversation about that um, and kept it really simple. Um, but when they're little like that, and if they're not in school and they're not going to encounter it out in the community in an organic way, I still struggle with that. Like, do you, do you talk to them about it or don't you, you want them to be prepared. You want to stay ahead of the narrative if they're going to go to school the next day, but we're living in the time of COVID and they're not going anywhere. Their world is very small. So in this particular case, like, what do you do with that? Like, you don't want to give them anxiety. That's not warranted, but you also want to keep them informed and prepared to a degree. Mm -hmm. I think that's where it comes into that. The facts aren't as important. It's more about identifying emotions, how to restore that sense of safety as best as you can guide your kid, your adolescent through that. And then they're prepared. That's what life is going to throw us things no matter what, right? Like we wish we could keep our kids all in a bubble. I don't even have kids and I want to like keep all my friends, kids and family members in in a bubble. You know what I'm saying? We want to protect them so bad Mm -hmm. but the reality is is that whether they go to school see things on the news I mean just hear conversations between family members now there is no bubble the bubble does not exist even remotely anymore so really giving them the tools to cope with it is the more important thing than sitting them down and say hey there was a riot or there was a protest that went a little haywire and this is why everything is going on and even identifying your own emotions, you don't have to tell them the total why behind it, but, you know, helping them to identify their emotions through what you're feeling as well. Exactly. And you're right. They, the bubble, it's like, it doesn't exist. My kids play games and they can chat with their friends on it. So even within our home, they're being exposed to so many other people and so many ideas. You really, it's, it's very difficult in this day and age to keep things from them. They, they're, they're citizens of the world at five. They really are. Totally. And so it terrifies me so much. It, it's, it is so validating that how absolutely terrifying this is, which is why we need to have more conversations like this, because I also find that as adults, I don't know if you guys are finding this, correct me, but we're so afraid to do the wrong thing, right, for our kids in this situation because we don't even know what the fuck we're doing. That it's like, oh shit, then I'm gonna fuck them up too. It's gonna be a disaster. It's just gonna go haywire. 
So we've never, we've never raised a generation who like was born with iPhones in their hands. So we don't know what the consequences are going to be. We don't know. We're all guinea pigs in this. It, it's, it's rough. <laughs> How does it feel to be a guinea pig, everybody? Let's process. Ah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> not great not great it doesn't no it doesn't no go by also another thing that you can do is follow your your child's pace too Mm -hmm. let them lead you too don't feel put that pressure on yourself you know you know your kids you know your teenagers go with with their pace and what they're telling you that they need at that moment 100% that's I liked Ashley's story about how she had to turn off the news because her daughter was having tantrums every time that Whitmer got on and talked to us about corona and told us we were staying home for three more weeks like that's you met your kid where she was at you know your kid and you know what she needed so anytime this crisis situation type thing is going on like your kid might be outwardly completely fine or you might start to notice that oh they want to crawl in bed with you more or they're they're wanting to isolate or they're wanting to be attached to you like one extreme or the other um they're complaining of tummy aches more often they're becoming pickier with their food like just those little signs that they're becoming more anxious and more unsettled about things the crawling in bed with you thing is is something that i think parents forget about sometimes that we live that every day our our kids um that's a safe place for them. Um, but we promote them sleeping in their own spaces, right? Like we want them to be in their own spaces for multiple reasons. Um, but when, tr- but when they're unsettled, they creep in and it took us mm, about a year, honestly, to connect those dots with our daughter that when she's creeping in, it's because she knows something isn't right and she's not settled. It's not because she prefers my bed over her. She doesn't sleep well. It's not because she's overly attached to me or to my husband. Something is, is or there's a change that has happened, a, a big change. Um, you know, like start of the school year, um, going from in-person schooling to uh, online schooling back to in-person brick to click, click to brick, like that kind of stuff is, um, it's a change in pattern. It's a change in routine. And one of the safest things that they can do is crawl back in bed with you. Something that they used to do when they were toddlers. Um, it's just a a sign. I wanted to bring that up. It's a sign, like Katie said, and it's one that oftentimes we're like, go back to bed. (laughs) Like we push them, we push them away because we want our sleep, but they're commute. That's behaviors, communication, and they're communicating a need. So super great example. That, that kind of is a beautiful visual for everything. So when they crawl into bed, moving forward, it's a great opportunity to kind of identify what they're trying to communicate to you, right? That's exactly what you just said. So mm-hmm. good example, Ash. Hey man, I can talk about how behaviors communication all day long. And I have noticed that there's a trend with these podcasts that I try to give you some sort of analogy. <laughs> Well, I hope that this episode gave some good discussion and really opened up the opportunity to start talking about this with other people, with your colleagues, with other parents, that it's okay to talk about this. There's no rule book, no handbook on how to handle this. And if you feel like you have some questions, feel free, you know, feel empowered to reach out to 
somebody in mental health. It's a, it's okay to say you don't know what you're doing. Um, so I guess that's my hope for everybody listening that they're a little bit empowered with that. Do y'all have any last thoughts? Yeah. Reach out to, like you said, reach out to mental health professionals. If you have small kids, there's probably one in your district, if not in their school. Um, and speaking from experience, we love your emails. We love your phone calls. Reach out to us. We're here for you just as much as we are for the kids. So shoot us a line. We will get back to you. We will help you out. Kids are way more successful when home and school work together. And that's not just for academics. Mm-hmm. That, that's for mental health too. There's a, a wide range of resources there that are usually untapped. So get in, talk to people. Don't be scared to ask questions. Exactly. It's all part of that community care we're all trying to build up. That's what I'm saying. Katie, thank yeah. you so much for joining us today. I loved having you here. I hope you come back and join us again. Appreciate you guys inviting me. It was a really positive experience and I have my first podcast checked off. So there we go. 2021. Check it off. Well, we love you all. Everybody be well. And this has been Mental Health Uncorked. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.